So I think healthcare still as an industry has so much more opportunity with regards to technology. And so if anyone sees a problem or an opportunity that they think could be done, could be addressed, something that could be done easier, better, faster, go after it. Because as much as there's the big players in the healthcare space, I think we need to continue to innovate in the healthcare space and need to keep pushing that with new innovative products, even if they're just solving, say, a small task or a small opportunity in that area. Welcome to the SMB Tech Innovators podcast, powered by Gusto. On this show, we explore the intersection of fintech, vertical SaaS, and how software combats the rising complexity of running a business. Our goal is to share stories, advice, and best practices from the leaders and investors behind today's cutting-edge platforms. This episode of the SMB Tech Innovators podcast is brought to you by Gusto Embedded. Gusto has spent a decade building and testing its payroll, tax filing, and compliance infrastructure, which is available as a robust set of APIs so you can develop custom-tailored payroll solutions. For more information, go to embedded.gusto.com. Here's your host, Brian Bush. On this episode of the SMB Tech Innovators podcast, my guest is Andrea Kowalski. Until very recently, the SVP of product at Tebra, a healthcare practice management and marketing platform. Andrea, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for this one and to dive in, but let's start with a little bit of your background. Tell us just briefly your career journey and I'll toot your horn just a little bit, how you ended up being named to, I think it was Forbes list of most impactful women in healthcare. Yeah, it's been a wild journey, but I'm very excited to be in the space that I am, both product and healthcare, because I have a passion for both. A little bit of background. I actually thought I was always going to be a doctor, but in college, I found my way into engineering and started as a software engineer in the financial industry. And two things I realized, one, I needed to care more about what I was doing, which led me into healthcare. And I did not need to be coding anymore. I needed to be playing a different role because I was excited about building products, but knew that I had a different skill set beyond just being behind the computer writing code. And so found my way into healthcare and have really never looked back. I was at Athena Health for eight years, which was a tremendous journey, lots of exciting stuff and really helping improve just healthcare to do our little part in this broader kind of industry. And then moved over to Cario about five years ago, which merged with Patient Pop to become Tebra and really trying to help independent practices be successful and ultimately deliver quality care to improve the experience and ultimately the health of patients. I have to ask, did you go up far enough down the provider route to actually have a specialty in mind? Like if you had become a doctor, did you know what type of doctor you wanted to be? I did. I did. I thought I was going to be an orthopedic surgeon because I played a lot of sports growing up and not just an orthopedic surgeon, but I knew I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon for a professional soccer team or a professional ballet company. So I was very dialed in to what I wanted to do. Life has a funny way of just shifting you a bit. Indeed, it does. Let's use Tebra. I think it's a great, the platform itself is a great way to understand for listeners some of the dynamics in healthcare. So just give us the quick who or what is Tebra and what's really the pain or pains that the platform is aiming to solve for customers? So Tebra is really an all-in-one software platform to support small independent practices. So you're talking about one to 10, one to 20 provider practices across a variety of specialties. And it's really about supporting them with that end-to-end platform, a variety of products on how do they have online presence, market, 
as well as attract new patients. And then everything through patient engagement, scheduling, really the practice management side of things, EHR, your clinical record, and then through billing and payments. And so what we've been really trying to do is support these practices in being able to wick away work so that they can focus on delivering care the way that they want to, spending more time with their patients, and ultimately improving patient outcomes. And there's really this kind of giant pain because in the healthcare space, these small practices and really even large hospital networks, et cetera, have so many pressures from regulatory requirements to complexities with payers and changing reimbursement details and amongst other things. And then here they are, they went to medical school or school to take care of patients and they have to navigate all of that. And so what we're really trying to do is be truly beyond just a software platform, but be a true partner in helping them be a successful practice and really do all of that work for them so that they can be a thriving business. So you said two things there that I want to double click into quickly. First was independent providers. Second was end to end from a platform standpoint. Now you alluded to both, but I want to go just a little bit deeper. So first, independent providers. One, what are the trends in healthcare? Why does that matter? Why is that a unique segment that you might target? Yeah, so it's really interesting because in the healthcare space, you still see a bunch of dynamics. And the two I'll kind of point out. One, you do see increased consolidation into larger health systems. There's a lot of benefits to that because you do have a lot of shared information across a variety of providers. So if you're going from primary care to a cardiologist, there's a lot of information that's just automatically shared when you're in a large health system, and there's some ease to that. But what we're also seeing is a number of providers that do really want to stay independent and want to deliver care really the way they want to. And they do want to have, I would say, a more personalized small business interaction with their patients and be able to go about their work the way they want to. And in the independent side, what we are seeing is just increased pressures. You do have to take on a lot just to be able to run your business. It is demanding, but you do get some freedoms there. And so that is a place where, again, there's so much opportunity for a software company like Tepra to support them in just being able to be a successful business and practice the way they want to. Okay. So the second, so thank you. The second piece mm -hmm. The end-to-end, -end. and particularly, please give the audience a little bit, like you have payers and insurance providers in the mix here when it comes to that financial picture. So share with the audience, please, just why that end-to-end -end aspect of the platform is particularly important in healthcare. So a couple of reasons, again, focusing on these independent practices that are affiliated with a large health system, they are looking for a simplified buying experience, right? They don't have maybe a whole IT staff to find best of breed products. So they are looking for kind of that simple, give me everything that I need to get this business up and running and to support me. The second thing is the sharing of information. When you do have everything from online scheduling, a clinical chart, patient engagement, through revenue cycle, where you do have to submit claims for reimbursement to payers, all of that information you do want to be flowing between a variety of products and be able to have that shared data means less work throughout each of the steps when you're thinking about running a practice. And so that end-to-end -end platform does unlock a lot of value that you 
don't necessarily get if you have point solutions or you do have to do a lot of work with regards to integration in order to be able to unlock some of that value. Okay. So one more double click and that's when you talked about the trends around independent providers and some of the consolidation, as well as just why it's beneficial for an end-to-end solution. You mentioned data sharing and data visibility across either different products or different providers as of a specific meaning here, different people who are in this ecosystem of a patient's care. So I'm curious, putting your product hat on, how do you think about balancing the patient experience? Like folks could be hands-on with Tebra, scheduling appointments, things like that. So the user experience side of that with the patient outcomes side of it, that seems like a unique dynamic in healthcare technology that you may or may not see elsewhere. So I think what's interesting is there are so many different users, especially when I put my product hat on and I'm thinking about all that interact with any of the products on the platform and within healthcare and especially in independent practice. And the patient is one of those users. And what we're always trying to do is, again, take on as much work as possible and make the use of the product seamless for the provider, for medical assistants, for staff, biller, anyone that's using any of the products. And that way they can actually spend more time with the patient and they have more information about the patient to hopefully make better decisions, engage with them, and ultimately lead to better outcomes. Now, one thing that's important about the patient, and I always think about is whenever we talk about the patient, everyone thinks we're just talking about the clinical experience, right? The provider and the patient. But even when you think about outcomes, it really is every touch point with the patient, right? And every piece of technology and interaction that patient has. So everything from getting a reminder to come into the visit, right? Or that patient education that happens after, or the ease of submitting a resale request for a prescription. All of those little touch points do contribute to patient outcomes. And so it's really important to be thoughtful about really that end-to-end patient journey and how every interaction is actually going to help them be more empowered and more engaged in their healthcare and ultimately lead to hopefully improved care and outcomes. So I'm hearing you say you take a very broad view of that notion of patient outcomes that, hey, if folks don't show up for their appointments, like that decreases patient outcomes. If folks are really stressed about how they're going to pay their bills, potentially that contributes to patient outcomes. Hey, it's a little bit bigger than just the diagnostic code in a patient chart. Yeah, absolutely. And you just brought up a really good example. Anytime we get bills or the EOBs, explanation of benefits from our insurance company, most people don't know how to read those, right? Or before an appointment, people are stressed because they don't know what they are going to owe after the visit. It's funny, healthcare is one of the only services where you walk in and get a service and you don't have any clue what it's going to mean for you on the back end. And that is a stressor. And that really does contribute to the fact that people may not want to come and go see their providers because they're worried about the cost. And that's a good point they bring up. So we may come back to that. But first... I want to take a small left turn to talk about the rebrand between Cario and Patient Pop when you brought those two products together. Again, with your product hat on, what was that experience like for you as a product leader? What were any lessons that you took away that you would impart on anybody else in software in general or tech in general who might be facing a similar, we now have to combine some products and we're thinking about rebranding that user experience? 
Yeah. So when we decided to merge Patient Pop and Cario to form Tebra, it was really the expansion of the needs of our customers and these practices and what they needed across products. One of the first things that we always knew is we wanted back to that kind of sharing of data. We really wanted a seamless platform experience when we were bringing all of these products together, because again, we're trying to optimize not just the provider and staff experience, but also the patient experience and bringing these together would allow for really that ease of attracting patients, scheduling appointments, and then their whole journey as a patient. So coming together, one of the first things we did was a lesson that I would definitely share with others is to as quickly as possible, go on that journey of creating that more seamless experience. You have to recognize that your customers are on their own journey, right? They might hear that you guys are two companies, but you know, and you're forming one. However, for a while, they will feel like it's very disjointed. And so the first thing was, how do we at least focus on the product and making it a no-brainer to be on both, say, sets of products, right? Because there's that shared data. So you want to show that value as soon as you possibly can as you're bringing them along in this journey and go, you can't flip overnight um, to a new brand. You have two established brands that people know. And so we made a decision to phase it out and bring our customers along. So in this case, we became carry on patient pop, a Tebra company, and then we evolved to Tebra. And one of the most important things was we chose to really create a new brand, a refreshed brand that was rooted in the two companies and what they were doing before in their missions, but really coming together as a refresh. And with that, we decided we needed to really bring the new brand to life in the product experience. And that was important, especially for the customers to really start feeling like, all right, we know that this is connected, but they look different and people don't really think about it. It seems like that's not the tricky part, right? Integration and sharing data is probably a little bit more complex, but really having that aesthetic and that feeling of, okay, these products look very similar. I'm starting to see this evolution of these products coming together. And so rebrand was definitely something where I always say to everyone, never underestimate how much you're changing the world for your customers and your end users. And even something as small as colors or maybe font change can be distracting to users and can have an impact just on their productivity and their comfort level. So I would definitely suggest really thinking through that. And then one other thing that I will say is the whole reason we brought the products together was also to unlock value that we couldn't before. And specifically, again, for our scenario, it was really to show more insights to our providers, really seeing the fact that they had this end-to-end view of the patient, but then also for the patient side of things, really to have an even better experience because all of these products where they don't really think about products, but every stage of their journey is a little bit more connected. And so that's one of those journeys that is going to take time as the companies come together under one new brand, but something that is important to start showing your customers, your users, that actually they're going to get a lot more benefit being on all the products. You always want the platform play to be the no-brainer, right? Yeah. So I actually want to dive into the marketplace side of it or helping patients find a provider specifically for just a sec, because I think a theme that comes up a lot across vertical SaaS, you see some incredible operational tools in many different verticals, a similar sort of end to end from patient intake or scheduling 
to payment in the case of Tebra, you see very similar sort of analogs out there. And then you also see several of the called the more successful or the larger companies out there. They also have that marketplace feature. They're also helping these small businesses get discovered by more potential customers. So I think I want to put you on the spot and ask you the crystal ball question. One, how impactful do you feel like that was for the end Tebra platform post-merger? But more, do you think there are lessons there that you would extrapolate to other similar vertical SaaS platforms? Like, could you go so far as to say this is something that you think successful platforms, vertical platforms should do? Yeah. So I think I would say it comes back to, you know, in our case, the patients, but really in any platform, who are your customers? Who are those consumers that you want to be supporting on their journey? And I think certainly within the healthcare space and what we did, being able to support our customers in attracting their customers, right? Those consumers, those patients has been so critical. And I'll go even a step further. It's so dynamic. Again, probably I would say even five, 10 years ago, which doesn't seem long, I don't think websites were top of mind for practices. They were like, hey, I'm in town. Someone sees it. They're doing maybe some marketing, but there's a lot of word of mouth too. And frankly, there's also a lot of practices that have no problem filling their schedules with patients and sometimes aren't even taking new patients. So they're not even thinking about marketing. Having online presence is even more important for certain specialties. It's even more important, especially if it's a specialty, say plastic surgery, where maybe it's at one time or maybe they come in a couple of times, but then they're moving on and you have this constant flow versus say a primary care where maybe you have a more established routine of visits. So websites became more important, but back to the dynamic side of it, also there's so much changing just with regards to how you find your information online. Google Mm. My Business profile is much more important now. I know that I personally, I search via Google Maps now. I literally go to Google Maps and that's where I'm searching because I'm like, I want it to be in this area because this is really convenient for me. Then I'll go and look at the details and then maybe I'll go to their website. So what's really interesting, and I think this applies to really any other kind of vertical, is you always have to be thinking about those end consumers and how do you support the customer in getting those end consumers and just knowing that is a very dynamic space and you always need to stay on top of it because there's so much changing in user behaviors and how we get our information. I love that as a takeaway here that no matter what operational platform you're building, your customer's customer is probably in there somewhere. And so you really need to think diligently about them as a user. So let's change gears just a little bit, Andrea. I'm curious about your views on embedded fintech for healthcare. As we mentioned before, the payer or the billing dynamic is unique in healthcare. But I'm curious if you think that's a blocker or if you think that makes embedded finance products more difficult for healthcare generally. Where do you see opportunities for these types of add-on features, if you will, in healthcare platforms? So I absolutely think that there's a tremendous opportunity for more fintech products coming into the healthcare space. They're already there to an extent, but maybe coming in a bit closer to say some of the platforms like Tebra had. When we are talking about revenue cycle and just the integration with payers and the amount of activity from a financial perspective that is flowing, that is such a big source of truth of how the business is operating. 
this is a place where I think there's so much of an opportunity for other fintech products to be plugging into that kind of central source. And again, streamlining just the operations, especially for, say, a small business, but really creating probably, I'd say, a better, more holistic view of the financial health of a practice. And so I think payments, for example, is a very hot area right now within the healthcare space. And I think more and more, there's a lot more avenues with regards to finance for different software solutions. So a detailed question. If you want to take card payments, you can either build all of that core infrastructure. These days, you can look to some sort of a payment facilitator as a service. There are a number of different options. I'm curious, what do you have to do to actually interact with or integrate with the insurance providers, the payers in the healthcare ecosystem? Do you have to build something similar for them? Yeah, so super complex. There are a lot of varieties of payers across the U.S. As much as maybe we all think Blue Cross Blue Shield is the same, uh, there's a lot of differences between the uh, different payers by state, for example. And in a lot of cases, you can have maybe direct connections with the payers, but really the best way for a lot of the solutions like Tebra is to go through clearinghouses and to really have that integration with clearinghouses that then integrate with a variety of payers and help be that intermediary. That is helpful because it allows you to not just be trying to rebuild it on your own, but again, anytime you're adding another layer in between two endpoints, so it just adds say some complexity and you lose maybe some transparency than you would if you had that direct connection. So maybe I'll ask you to get your crystal ball out again. Yeah. If you think about the future of embedded, you said that, hey, payments are what's in in vogue, if you will, Mm -hmm. right now, or where folks are building with embedded fintech. What's coming next? And more, if you play things out a little bit, giving some of the unique nuances of healthcare in particular and the payer integrations, do you see a world where platforms like Tabra are going to build out or could build out a full suite of credit, maybe even bank accounts, other embedded finance products? Do you think the big players like an Epic or a Cerner who are targeting more of the enterprise customers, do they have an incentive to do that? I'm curious where you think embedded finance products go from here within healthcare. It is definitely certainly something that I could see companies like Atebra to be expanding to other products that are in more of the fintech space that are becoming more essential to the platform. And like you said, more embedded. Same like payments used to be something that was very separate in an EHR revenue cycle platform. Didn't start with payments there, but as the needs of the practice really expand, then you realize what you have to have be more embedded and potentially build yourself. But I think, and this goes for any kind of product space, any kind of vertical, you always have to determine what you build versus what you partner and what that experience is like. And ultimately, you always have to be thinking about your customer, your users, and that experience. But a lot of times, again, because of the complex nature of fintech in general, right, and the regulatory space that sits in, Sometimes it is better that a partner builds that product and then there's more of a tighter integration. So again, you still have that great experience for your users, but you can stay in your kind of core area. Yeah. I want to bring us back to data because I think what we hear often on the show is, and we hear it a lot with payroll, one of the reasons to build these embedded finance products is because of the data insight you get from that. And the thinking goes from a product lens, if you can pull lots of that data together, have a broader financial picture for your customers, 
there will be additional value that you can add. I think healthcare is interesting because data has been at least a topic of conversation for at least the yeah. last decade since the Affordable Care Act. But there are ethical issues about aggregating, protecting, and then analyzing some of that data. And so I see a little bit of a parallel between what we hear from a data lens on the embedded finance side, and of course, what you're seeing in healthcare. From your experience, again, with your product hat on, how do you think about some of the ethical implications of aggregating and analyzing a lot of this on healthcare's case, patient data? It's something being in the healthcare space, especially when we think about PHI, patient health information, we've always had to have our hat on of we need to be thinking very ethically about what we're doing with this data, how we're storing it, the security around it, and making sure that we aren't crossing lines in that mm -hmm. case, but also giving enough data transparency so that you can help with the goals of the practice, for example. I think there's a tremendous opportunity for AI and being able to deliver more comprehensive and useful insights to practices. I do mm -hmm. think a lot of practices, again, this probably goes with a lot of other verticals when you think about a customer, but especially with our practices, they are missing maybe some of that larger picture, right? Having, say, back to the financial side of things, having a complete financial picture. They might have a picture of how they're doing with certain payers, what their reimbursement rates are, but how are they doing with regards to inventory management and the finances around that or paying their staff and all the other pieces that contribute to running a practice. So I think there's a lot of opportunity with regards to, again, taking that data and doing it in a secure way and really thinking ethically, but delivering those insights again for these small practices that are really craving it and this isn't their area of focus. And so I think this is where we're going to see a lot more kind of movement, especially with a lot of the advancements and accessibility of AI in the last year. Mm. So I'm excited to see where it is, but I do think back to data, there is always the topic of data interoperability and sharing. And I think more sharing needs to happen, but we all need to be diligent about how that is happening. And again, just like any situation, making sure that you're putting the right protections around it. Yep. I love that with the right protections. And that's an important caveat. The opportunity to share and connect data is really one of the key opportunities in healthcare. And I think for a lot of vertical SaaS yeah, platforms. Yeah. So Andrea, before we let you go, you may be onto something new here soon. Healthcare is a huge and growing segment, at least in the US. What advice would you have for earlier stage founders or somebody who is really excited about building product in this space? What advice would you have for them or what trends would you advise that they really focus on? Maybe it goes right back to the AI point we were just at, but what advice would you have for somebody who's just starting out with an earlier stage product in healthcare right now? So I think healthcare still as an industry has so much more opportunity with regards to technology. And so if anyone sees a problem or an opportunity that they think could be done, could be addressed, something that could be done easier, better, faster, go after it. Because as much as there's the big players in the healthcare space, I think we need to continue to innovate in the healthcare space and need to keep pushing that with new innovative products, even if they're just solving, say, a small task or a small opportunity in that area. I do think with healthcare patients, I'll say this over and over again, the patients are the consumers. And I think for too long, we haven't been thinking as we've built healthcare technology about patients as much as we should. And I do think that's changing. And little examples like the fact that myself included, 
everyone wants online scheduling for their doctors. Mm -hmm. 10 years ago, that was not the case. And providers didn't even like the idea of it. But you're seeing this push of what consumers, these patients expect, and you're seeing technology have to keep up. And so I do think that's an interesting place to continue to watch is where we as consumers, because we're all patients to some extent, where we can influence just that evolution and advancement of healthcare tech. And I'm excited for it because it means we'll be better for all of us with regards to just having a more empowered healthcare journey. Thank you for that. Two key lessons to take away. Keep innovating and keep the patient experience front and center. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing some of your insights. Before we wrap up, if folks are interested, if they have questions, want to go deeper, they want to connect with you, what would be the best way, perhaps social media or an email? Well, definitely LinkedIn is always almost like the new email these days. So you can find me, Andrea Kowalski, on LinkedIn. You can always email me directly, akowalski26 at gmail.com. And as much as I do engage in healthcare conversations, my social media is actually all about wine. So if you do want wine recommendations, stop and smell the Pinot, like Pinot Noir. You can follow me on Instagram and get some tips. Andrea, thank you again. Really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of the SMB Tech Innovators podcast. We'll make sure to link to any resources that were mentioned in today's show in the show notes. Please also feel free to leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast or to connect with the Gusto Embedded team via LinkedIn. In particular, we'd love to hear any future guests you'd like us to have on the show. Thanks again for listening and keep a lookout for the next episode.